0: Thank you for listening to Weekly Wisdom, the podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Haddonfield, New Jersey. This week's message is from Rev. Marvin Lindsay and from Rebecca silva Foot, a member of First Presbyterian Church. Rev. Lindsay talks about what it means to be a steward of the mysteries of God. And Rebecca talks about the role that generosity has played in her life. You know, earthly human sovereigns greet their adoring subjects from balconies uh, that are built into ornate palaces. This so-called king is nailed to a cross and hoisted up on a garbage pile, like some sort of human scarecrow, to be mocked and derided, not adored and cheered. Human rulers administer justice. They sentence criminals Uh, Sometimes to cruel and unusual punishments. And sometimes they grant clemency either to uh, undo a miscarriage of justice or sometimes to do favors for their cronies. But this so-called king is judged. He's not the judge. He's convicted and he's denied clemency. He's subject to a cruel, but for those times, by no means unusual form of death. Kings and presidents and prime ministers and even dictators Their job is to maintain order And they maintain order in different ways and different fashions Depending on uh, their outlook on life and the power that they have But this so-called king was executed Because he was perceived to be a threat To the social and the political and the religious order of his day That's who crucifixions were reserved for for rebellious slaves, for brigands and bandits, and for revolutionaries and rebels. And yet, this so-called king, mocked and derided, crucified and dead, is none other than the king of kings and the lord of lords. He is the creator of all things, but now reduced to nothing. He is God in human flesh. And not just any old human flesh, not just a generic human being. He was born to peasant parents, peasant Jewish parents, in a back border province of a great empire, born in a barn, born homeless. And the way that he came into the world, vulnerable and suffering, is the way that he left this world. His body was broken on a cross, his blood flowed freely from the wounds in his hands and his feet. His crown was made of thorns. It was not made of gold. And he reigned from a cross, not from a throne. What does this all mean? This reversal of all of our expectations about what a king ought to be, what a king ought to do, what a king ought to look like. Well, first of all, it means this. That God does not will to be God apart from us. God draws near to us. And God does not just draw as near to us as an earthly sovereign does to his subjects from a motorcade or from the palace balcony. God is with us in our very worst moments. God is with us and nearer to us than we can know when we are in pain. When we are suffering, when we are dying, when we have been falsely accused, when troubles overwhelm us, you know, we often wonder where is God in the midst of all of this? Has God forgotten us? The good news of the cross is that God has no, by no means forgotten us, but God remembers us and that the cross that life has forced us to bear is the very same cross that Christ is on. He is crucified next to us, and he promises us to recognize him. And he promises us to recognize us and to receive us into paradise. God is with us when we are at our worst moments, and God is with the worst of us. The king of kings dies executed between two outlaws, one of whom freely acknowledges that he's getting what he deserves. The condemned criminal really speaks for all of us. When he says we are getting what we deserve, I think that that's prophetic speech there. I think he's not just talking about himself and his buddy on the other side of Christ, the bandit. I think he's speaking for the whole human race. As we heard a few weeks ago on Reformation Sunday, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And to sin in the least way is to do an infinite injustice to the holy and just and unapproachable God. And yet, even the worst sin cannot separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord when we turn to Christ in faith and ask Him to remember us in mercy. As one of our Reformed Confessions puts it, even the least sin is grounds for our condemnation, but even the greatest sin can be forgiven in the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we all have good hope for being saved. There's nothing that we have done, no wrong we have committed, no no dark secret in our past that God in Christ cannot put away from us. But just as God will save us, God will not save us apart from the worst of our brothers and sisters. The uh, theologian Karl Barth, one of the greatest reformed theologians of the last century, was once asked, Will we see our loved ones in heaven? And he said, not just our loved ones. And by that, he didn't mean just strangers. He meant the unlovable in the human race. Those who may be our enemies. They too will be remembered and will be welcomed into paradise. And that brings us, I think, to another deep meaning of this passage. And another deep meaning of the crucified king. Unlike human sovereigns, uh, this king executes justice by being judged in our place. All of us are rebels against our Lord's authority, and all of us have broken the Almighty's commandments. But on the cross, the king switches places with us, we who are rebellious and disobedient children. And the king suffers the punishment that we rightly should suffer. The judge is judged in our place, so that we might be acquitted, and so that God might be shown to be both supremely just and supremely merciful and how God meets our justice. Now, this is not only Christ the King Sunday, but it's also Stewardship Dedication Sunday. And as I reflected on this passage this week, I was, and on the meaning of this week, I was reminded of some words that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church long ago in Corinth. And he asked in that letter for the Corinthians to think of him, and really for us to think of ourselves, as stewards of God's mysteries. There's that word steward, stewardship dedication Sunday. Stewards are people who manage the affairs of others. And what Paul and what really all of us are called to do is to manage this deep mystery of the crucified king. To manage these mysteries that God does not will to be God apart from us, that God is with us in our worst moments as well as our best moments, that God is with and for the worst of us, And not just the best of us. And that God has judged and put away sin in a way that spares human beings who are sinners. So on this Stewardship Dedication Sunday and this Christ the King Sunday, the Christ who was hung on a cross reminds us that there is much more to stewardship than just fundraising or philanthropy or meeting the budget. I think really our uh, greatest calling and our most faithful act of stewardship is simply saying from the heart, I forgive you, or I accept your apology, when the condition calls for it. For that is what we have been offered in Christ Jesus the forgiveness of sins. But if stewardship is more than uh, meeting a budget or how we manage our time and our money, it is not less than that. And so let us on this stewardship dedication Sunday recommit ourselves to managing our time and money in ways that we are called to manage these deep mysteries of the cross. And this is how we do it. Just before he was crucified, one of the last pieces of wisdom Jesus had for his disciples was this He said, You know, the kings of this world rule it over their subjects, and their great ones are called benefactors. But it's not so among you. Rather, whoever would be great among you must be a servant. And those who would be the furthest among you, first among you, must be last of all and a child of all. We do good in this world in the name of Christ, not in a you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours kind of way. But we do it in the way that Jesus Christ did who drew near to us in our weakness and in our suffering, and who serves those who cannot afford to repay him. And so I won't go down the line of the many, many ways in which you do that. But if you think for a moment, well, actually, I will go down the line for a minute or two, thinking about the many, many ways that you do that. I I saw you uh, doing that yesterday morning at St. Wilfred's Open Door Clinic. As you stood outside in the cold and handed out food to people in the cold. uh, As uh, you are doing today, providing a Thanksgiving meal for those who will not be inviting you to Thanksgiving, but will have a meal because of your generosity. You do it when your pledges are turned into safe drinking water for people who live in Sub-Saharan Africa, and when they are turned into uh, mentoring programs for at-risk youth in the Philippines. ...through our partners with the Presbyterian Church USA. And you do it when you make this place... ...20 Kings Highway East in Haddonfield, New Jersey... ...available not only for your worship... ...but for the healing and the well-being... ...of some of the most vulnerable among us. This is a place where people who are trying to live... ...and love with those with addictions... ...find peer support... This is a place where some of the youngest and smallest members of our community are educated and nurtured and loved unconditionally. This is a body of people who love selflessly, who love generously, who love in the way that God loved us in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Let it be so this day as we dedicate ourselves to the Lord and every day until the crucified Christ comes again, make all things new. That's my portion of the sermon. The better part is coming. <laughs> I want to invite our stewardship coach here, Rebecca Silva to Foot, to come forward, uh, who has some uh, words of her own on this stewardship dedication Sunday.
1: Good morning. Thanks so much for this opportunity um, to speak to you today. Um, I am also here, long with our pastor to talk to you about stewardship Sunday, um, about what the church means to me, but I'm gonna touch upon, um, just as our pastor just, you know, spoke about the important work of being a steward. So I'd like to share actually some research that I conducted on being a steward and also on giving. And forgive me if my voice is a little sore, um, but I was playing cards against humanity last night (laughs) which is a very weird segue into Stewardship Sunday, but um, there was a lot of laughter in the room. Um, So here's what my research um, uh, showed me. By definition, spiritual stewardship is the act of recognizing that everything we have and everything we are is a gift from God, and that we have a responsibility to be grateful and generous with those gifts. Furthermore, When we realize how generous God has been to us, we naturally respond with gratitude and we use our resources and talents well to serve others. It seems pretty simple, but then I started to research giving rituals and this is what I found. Long before European colonization, Native American traditions of giving were rooted in cultural beliefs of mutual responsibility the importance of maintaining a peaceful balance, and a spiritual interconnectedness to all things. In Native American culture, giving is not only understood to be reciprocal, but it is also an honor. As much as it is is an honor to give, it is equally an honor to receive. Because it is such an honor to receive, there is also in turn an obligation to give. I hope you can visualize almost a circle starting with giving and then receiving and then receiving and then giving when I'm speaking up here. Because that idea is truly cyclical. This concept, the circle of giving, reflects the spiritual belief of interconnectedness and serves to strengthen existing relationships and develop new ones. The circle is a bonding experience, giving bonds to one to the group and within the group, because the individual provides gifts that allow the group to prosper, and the group provides gifts that allow the individual to prosper. This idea of reciprocal giving in Native communities illustrates intrinsic spiritual investment, the protection and interest of future generations. When one gift is given to another, but the recipient then gives to a third person with interest, as in more than the original gift that they had received, the cycle of giving continues, but with an ever-increasing spirit of sharing and generosity. Through this cycle of giving, there is a belief in the security of the future of the community. And I, I believe this concept is something that we are all striving towards here in our church, Um, but I just found it fascinating to listen um, and to read this research that I had found, and and it just happened literally to land on my lap right before Stewardship Sunday, which I thought was also fascinating. What a beautiful illustration of how giving and receiving works. I'm gonna now share something personal with you. Some of you know me and heard me speak last year about a very personal story having to do with my journey um, of getting out of debt. And in that story, you may recall that my household was very negatively affected by COVID. Like many households, I'm not special by any stretch of the imagination. The fact is that my household lost months of income, and it was a scary time for us. Despite this, my husband and I decided to continue giving to the church, and we never stopped. In fact, what we did was we made sure that our first payment in our household goes straight to the church. And I have to be honest, some friends of ours and, and even neighbors said that they thought this was a bad idea, um, that we needed to stop giving and that we should probably save our money considering what was going on. But despite all of our fears, my husband Matthew and I continued with our plan, and we actually were still able to tackle our debt in a pretty significant way, which to me was, frankly, almost miraculous. But There's more to this story. We started witnessing a very distinct pattern. The more we gave, the more we saw these little blessings come into our lives. Sometimes the blessings were monetary, But honestly, some were more invisible, like a long-awaited conversation with a relative we had lost touch with. And then more recently, we actually both landed new jobs. And they literally felt like they fell into our lap. It was as if we had no control over what was happening in our lives. It was just happening. Of course, we had other unexpected challenges like the hot water heater going um, and flooding the basement. Um, Plus there was the anxiety that I was constantly managing and my fear. It just seemed to be our constant companion. But we remained faithful against all odds. And And looking back, I was thinking, why? Why did I keep going? Why did my husband and I... Keep giving despite all of the anxiety. And for me personally, I think it was this church. It was the community here. Because whenever I spoke to someone about my worries or what was going on with me, their faith fueled me. It kept me going. Sometimes people would say, like, oh my gosh, we've been there too, or we're in the middle of a crisis. Um, other people were honest and said, oh gosh, we've always had money struggles and we can relate. And some people just said, you know, keep praying. I think you're going to find a way. And honestly, we did. It was another miracle. There is one more thought that I want to share with you. And I, you know, I, I, I'm sorry I didn't know about the scripture, Marvin. I'm not good speaking on the fly, but I'm actually going to try to do this here because I actually think the scripture relates to the the next piece that I'm going to share with you. I recently had a conversation with my husband about why giving is so challenging for for some people, including including me. It's, It's still difficult. And he said something that really touched me. Human beings see themselves separate from God. And in the scripture, we see that there is a criminal that essentially, at the moment that Jesus is about to die, is forgiven. And I think we can remember that and hold on to the fact that we're not at all separate from God. Even if you play cards against humanity and you win, means you've given the most horrible answers possible in your group and by the way my husband did really well in this game <laughs> and he's hiding behind his program in the back right now uh, which means he gave the absolute worst answers of the night even if you play cards against humanity and you're even if you behave in ways that are unkind even if you have dark thoughts god is still with you God still loves you. I do believe that another way to bridge whatever the perceived gap is between ourselves and God, I think one way to do that is is by giving. And that helps us maintain this spiritual interconnectedness to all things that Native cultures have known for years. So here's my reminder again to you. loves us so much and we have never been separate from God we are each and all uniquely gifted by God in a variety of ways if we can own up to our gifts and put our talents and abilities in alignment with him I think that the community that we are building here will be blessed in ways that we can't even imagine and for generations for me, experience that is truly the greatest gift of all And I thank you so much for giving me this chance to talk to you today.
0: Thanks for listening. Please rate and review this podcast so that we can reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. To support our ministry, go to www.hattonfieldprez.org and click on the Give tab at the top of the page. Grace and peace be with you.